0: So good to be with you guys here this morning. Uh, if you're new here, my name is Steve. I'm a discipleship pastor here, but we're so glad that you guys are here. You guys had a great week? Yeah. Amen. All right. We're glad we're here. I'm excited. Uh, to, this morning, we're starting a new series called Essentials. Uh, what, especially for a believer, what is the essentials for us to help us grow in our relationship with the Lord? Uh, as I was studying uh, this week about the even thing about our, our series, I thought about every time we go on vacation this past weekend last weekend we went to uh, visit my family my family in Syracuse New York uh, we went there for a couple of days hanging out with family. My sister-in-law had a birthday, so we're all just hanging out, having fun. But I, I love when my kids pack their bags. I don't know if you have those that have kids. Like, it is really interesting, and, and it's also kind of exciting to see what did they pack in, in their bags. So My, my oldest, he is eight, and my daughter is four and a two-year-old. But the two oldest ones, they always say, "Dad, we're ready. They come up from the room, we're ready, we got our bags packed. And so, okay, well show me what you have. Right? My son starts, unzips his bag, Spider-Man. Gotta have Spider-Man. Right? He had Spider-Man down, boot, got Batman. Right, then he pulls out all these Legos and everything. I say, Hey man, do you have any clothes? I say, yeah, Dad, I got a pair of underwear. I say, all right, yeah. There you go. There's a the man. Isn't one pair of underwear for five days? It's great. That's awesome. He go, I go, Is it? that's all you need? So, yeah, that's all I need for this week. I'm great, I'm ready to go. And then my daughter, same thing, just pulls out toys and, and pulls out one shirt. So "Dad, I'm ready to go. And for them, that's the essentials they need for their trip is just a couple things that are toys. But have you ever wondered, if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, what is the essential for us as followers of Christ? What are the essentials that help us grow in our relationship with him? I'm excited about this series uh, because the, these next four uh, topics, these next four uh, weeks that we're going to look at, these are the topics that I go over with people that I've discipled, uh, that my wife and I have, have able to disciple uh, throughout the years. And these are the topics that we hit hard to help our, uh, our our brothers and sisters in Christ to understand. This is how you grow. This is what you need in your life. You don't need Spider-Man. You don't, you don't need a horse, a toy horse. What you need here are a couple of things that you need to help you grow. And this morning we're going to look at, Prayer. Prayer. Now, I'll be honest with you, it was kind of hard this week to even, like, wrap my mind around it to write a sermon. Uh, my, originally, I was assigned to do study God's word, which I'm, this is awesome. I love it. I love studying God's word. It's great. But then they switch it in prayer. I was like, ooh, prayer. And the reason why I realized this is because my prayer life isn't good. And you're probably like, oh, but you're a pastor. I know. I know. I get paid to pray, if you can, if you can think of it that way. Right? But it is hard for me to pray. And I think it's because I don't understand really why, why do I need to do this at times. Or it becomes just a habit. You know what I mean? Like it's, we pray so much, we do things over and over again, that it loses its meaning and its desire as well. And so my prayer this morning... And our goal this morning is that our point of view of prayer would change, that it would excite us, and it help us to understand why, as believers, we need to pray. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 13 to 15. 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. Now, I'll give you a little background here. 1 John, written by John, right? He also wrote the Gospel of John as well. But he writes this letter here in 1 John uh, because there's some false teaching coming in the church. There are some people who were falsely teaching about Jesus, who he was, and really not speaking, teaching truth. And so John writes this letter to paint a picture of who Jesus was to his followers. But also to help them understand what is the truth about Jesus and what is false about Jesus, which is something we still need to know today, amen? To know just because someone says, Jesus, is it the right Jesus they're talking about? You see here, these false teachers will come into church and, and give a different view of Jesus, and people start following that. And John writes this letter, say, "Guys, no, 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 here's, here's who Jesus really is. But also, here in verses 14 and 15, he talks about prayer, how to pray, and kind of want, and this gives a description of how we should pray. Because let's be honest. If someone came up to you and said, "Hey, why do you pray?" or say, "Hey, what is prayer?" what would you? What is the definition you would give? For some people, it is like God is Santa Claus, and this is a time that we get to give our needs to Him, and we get what we want. There's some people in our world that believe that, that that's why they pray, because they're going to give their list of wants, and that God should answer the way they want to. But in reality, Here's a definition of prayer uh, that I want us to, to, to know. This is prayer is communication with God that has been based on knowledge of who God is and what he has done. So it is a communication between God and his children. Isn't that awesome? That the God of the universe wants to hear from us. It just blows my mind. Even studying this week, it blows my mind that we have... The opportunity, the blessing to come before Almighty God with our needs. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what else will. <laughs> but to understand that he will listen. But here's the thing. A lot of times we pray, and maybe you thought about this and say, okay, if, when I pray, does God really hear me? Is God really hearing me? Or when your prayer request is not been answered yet, the, the questions come, he's, he's, not, he's not hearing me because I'm not being answered is not being answered. So my prayer tonight, well, uh, this morning, what we're going to do is, is kind of say, how do we have that confidence? How do we have that confidence knowing that God does listen to my prayers and also he answers it? And so read with me here in 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. John writes this, I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. So we see here the first part, verse 13. I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So here's the thing. We cannot have a strong prayer life without having assurance of our salvation in Jesus. If we do not have this assurance that we are saved through Jesus Christ, then our prayer life is not going to be strong. Because here's the thing, God does not want us to doubt our salvation. God does not want us to think, okay, am I saved or am I not saved? Because here's the reason why. Because that's what Satan used to steal our joy away when we serve God. When we doubt our salvation, Satan used that against us to keep us from serving him with joy, but also to have that confidence and assurance that God does listen to our prayers and he answers them. So we see here, the first thing before we have confidence in our prayers is this. We need to have an assurance of eternal life, right? We just read it, verse 13. John says, I've written these things to you. Believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. That you have eternal life. But the first thing I want us to understand, what is eternal life? Right? What is eternal life? And me, when I was growing up, I thought eternal life was heaven. That I was going to go to heaven and be there forever. But we see in scripture that eternal life is not a destination, it's a person. Because look at verse 11. It says, and this is the testimony God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. In verse 12, says, the one who has the Son has life, and the one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And we also see that in John 17, 3, Jesus says, hey, I am eternal life. So eternal life is not a destination, but it's a person, and that person is Jesus. So how do we have this assurance that we have Jesus, that we have eternal life? The first thing we just read there is to have a relationship with Jesus to understand who Jesus is and understand the gospel and the beauty of the gospel, that we see this, that our sins separates us from God, right? Sin is everything that does not hold up to God's perfect standard. Sin is when we lie, when we steal, when we cheat, when we have anger, right? We all know what sin is, and that's what blocks us to have a relation with almighty God, all-powerful God, the God that knows everything, but this is the beauty of the gospel, that God had grace and mercy on us, that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins and the sins of the world. And the third day, he rose again. You guys can cheer, but it's okay. But it's all right. It's okay. It's just Jesus rose again. It's all right. No, but we should be excited about that. That every time, maybe here, hear, like, yeah, I've heard this so many times, but every time we hear the gospel, it should be like a pep rally. Like, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I do hear this gospel, I just like, hey, I'm saved, I'm good. That's for someone else who doesn't need it. No, this is for the believer as well. Look, John is writing to believers and he's reminding them of the gospel so they can be assured and not without a shadow of a doubt that they are saved, not because of who they are, but because of who Jesus is and what he's done on the cross. And he rose again on the third day. And so, the way that we have a relation with eternal life, with Jesus, is trusting in Jesus that he is the Son of God, fully man, fully God, came in this earth, perfect life, died a death that we should have died. And rose again on the third day. And the only way that we could be forgiven of our sins and have a relationship with God is through his son, Jesus. And John says that, verse, verse 12, he says, the one who has the son has life. The one who does not have son of God does not have life. And so we, before even have this confidence in that God answers and hears our prayers, we need to make sure that we are saved. But what are the evidence? And it's interesting here. When John wrote the gospel of John, if you read that book, it's all evangelistic. It's about sharing the gospel. It's about knowing who Jesus is. In 1 John, it's kind of like a test to kind of say, okay, am I really saved? In the book of James, is the same way. So what are the evidence that we can see to make sure, yeah, okay, I am truly saved? The first thing here is we see having a relationship with Jesus and obeying Jesus. We see in John 14, 5, Jesus with his disciples, and he says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, he's not saying like a parent, like, if you love me, you know, like, you will follow. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, if you love me, if you have a relationship with me, then the result is that you're going to obey me with joy. I remember when I was in youth ministry, I had this, uh, I think a fifth grader came up to me after service, and he said, hey, God created us to be happy, right? And I was like, "Nah." He didn't he's like wait what i was like yeah he said then well, what god created for us he goes god created us to know him and to obey him and when we obey him that's when we're truly happy because we're doing what we're created to do and so if you're kind of saying yeah i trust in jesus but there's no joy maybe it's because you're not obeying jesus because jesus says this if you love me you're gonna obey me with joy i have a friend that said this said following jesus is the hardest thing to do in your life, but it's the best thing for your life. Following Jesus is the, sometimes the hardest thing to do in your life, but it's the best thing in your life. And I've been there. We've all been there. There's moments when we say, God, show me what you want to do with my life, and God does it. And I'm like, oh, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> I'm like, I wanted something else. And I've been there, believe me, like five months ago, that's where I was in the struggle. I said, God, I want to serve you, but I want to serve you my way. And so I had to change that. So the way we have assurance of our salvation is having eternal life, understanding that eternal life is a a person in that place, which is Jesus, by obeying Jesus' commandments and also by loving others like Jesus. And I think this is the hard one as well. Right? Jesus says this. John 13, 35 says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you what? Love one another. Now, isn't it interesting That Jesus said, listen, the the way the world knows that you belong to me is if you go to church every Sunday. Or he didn't say, hey, the way the world would know that you follow me is by how much knowledge you know. If you know the Greek and the Hebrew and all this stuff, like if you know everything, you know the Antichrist, all that stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, the world, know. no. But what he said, no, the way the world that knows that you follow me is how you love people. And not just people that you get to choose, but also your enemies. Because think about it, Romans says is that before we knew Jesus, we were enemies of God. That before we had a relationship with eternal life, we were enemies of God. But God loved his enemy so much, right, that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, our mistakes, and raise him up on the third day because he wanted a relationship with us. I remember when my oldest, my oldest son was born and they gave him to me. Honestly, the verse that came up to me was John 3.16. Because I was like, I don't know how God was willing to give his only son for his enemies. And that's true love there. And so as we receive God's love through the beautiful of the gospel, the overflow is that we show that love to others. And church, church family and friends, I feel like we have gone away from that point. Especially with me, I mean, maybe I'm not seeing the right thing, but when, I, when I'm on social media, I see a lot of knowledge coming out, but not a lot of love happening. Not a love caring. When's the last time you saw someone in need and you say, you know what, I don't know who that person is, but I'm going to I'm I'm go the extra mile and, and, and help them. And not so much in our money, but I think our biggest value is our time. It's easy to give money. But I think that what value more is our time that we don't want to give to people sometimes. But that's the way the world would know that we follow Jesus by how we care for one another, how we love one another. And that's what I grew up, growing in a Hispanic church. Listen, we, we, we weren't quiet during service. I'll be honest, during worship, like we, 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 Jesus is alive, so we're excited about that, you know. We're going crazy. But also after every service, we go have a meal together. And especially with the new, with the new family there They will grab that new family and say, we're going to go to eat. And they would take them out to eat, not to figure them out, but just to get to know them. And get to see who they are and build a love and trust with people. So how is your love? Does your love reflect the gospel? Does your love for others? And, yes, I'm not saying that putting knowledge aside. Yeah, we need to know Jesus. We need to know him, his word, and grow deep. But if we're not living it out, it's useless information. Because if we are truly studying God's word, and we're going to talk about this next Sunday, if we're truly studying God's word, then there should be a change in our lives. And then when people see us, they see something different. And so we we see John saying, this is how you know that you have eternal life. It's by having a relationship with Jesus, who is eternal life. By obeying Jesus, even when it's hard, but also by loving other people. And so, you see, the assurance of our salvation, what that happens is it leads to a confidence that God answers and hears our prayer. So, you see, the first point, in order for us to have a confidence that God does hear and answer our prayers, we need to have assurance of salvation. Understand that, yes, we have eternal life, that I have a relationship with Jesus, and that would lead to confidence that God answers prayer. But here in verse 14 to 15, John says this. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So yeah, as we have this assurance of our salvation, is going to lead to this confidence that God does hear our prayers and he answers our prayers. But here's the thing. That we need to pray, the way we get that confidence, understanding that we, need to have, that we should desire God's will, not ours. That we should desire God's will to understand that prayer, again, it's a communication before us and God. But ultimately this, God knows what's best for us. God knows what we really, truly need. And so I was reading the commentary on this, and this this pastor said this. Even before we pray, even before we come before God and ask our request, we need to keep in mind that God has already answered the prayer how he thinks is best for his glory and for us. Isn't that awesome? But also it's kind of like a slap in the face, like, man. Right? Like, and that's what John says here, pray his will. Now, when, when the disciples, it's interesting, the one thing the disciples asked Jesus to teach him is what? To pray. Isn't that interesting? It wasn't to heal. It wasn't to do all this stuff. It's like, God, teach Jesus. Jesus, Jesus to pray. And I believe it's because they saw Jesus when he prayed to the Father, he did great things. But I love how Jesus taught him, right? We, the Lord's Prayer, we know it. He said, Let your will be done. When Jesus, right, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he's going to go be crucified, what did he say? Your will be done, not mine. So even before we go and pray to God, we gotta say, God, here's my request, but you answer it however you want it to. You answer this request that I have, however your desire and your will be. But isn't that hard sometimes? Because we think we know what's best for us. We think we know what we need. And guys, I believe, church family and friends, I believe this is why people turn their backs away from God. Because they come before God, they ask their prayer, and it's not answered the way they want it to. So what happens? They get angry with God. And a lot of people say, I wish God would just think like us. And I always tell them, if God thought like us, he would not be God. He would not be worthy of, of sharing to other people. He would not be worthy of coming and with the body and, and getting to know him and growing in him. Because if God thought like us, man, he's not God. And so we've got to keep that in mind as children of his, that God knows what's best for us. And so before we even pray and put our request to God, we've got to keep in mind and say, okay, God, you're going to answer this the way you think it's best. And let it be your will and not mine. You see, prayer is not trying to get what you want, but what God wants for us. And that's the thing with true. True prayer is when we come to God and ask what he wants for our lives. So when we pray, it's not like a wish list, like Amazon wish list. It's like, click, click. all right, that's what I want, God, thank you. Two-day prime, all right, awesome. It's here. No. Prayer is saying, God, here is my life. I'm coming before you because I trust you because of who you are and what you have done. But with my life, do whatever you think is best and help me to live it out. So I this, saw this quote uh, from a theologian. He says this, prayer, prayer, right, prayer rightly considered is not advice, is not a device of imploring the source of God to fulfill our desires, but a means by which our desires may be redirected according to the mind of God and made into the channels for his will. Prayer is not a device we get what we want. Prayer is a device that redirects our mind and our hearts to line up what God has for us. Again, God created us. He knows what's best for us. It's kind of like a parent. Like my kid, he always says, God, I want a race car. I was like, no, you're going to get a Hot Wheel. Because I know best, like he is eight years old, he is not, I'm not going to put him in a nice car and have him drive it. No, because I know what's best for him. And so does God. Isn't that great? Like I hope that this is kind of like, oh, that okay, that when I pray before God, he's going to answer it. However, he thinks is best for his glory and for my life and our relationships. But here's the thing, how, what, how can we pray in the will of God? What helps us? So this is what helps us to pray in the will of God. This is is it. The first one is this, God's word. The way that we start praying in God's will is by studying God's word, digging deep in God's word. Because there are things in God's word that tells us, even before we have to pray to God, God already tells us already what to do by his word. Because that's how he talks to us. And so how... How much time do you spend in God's word? How much time do you spend digging in? Because the more and more, my college professor said this, the more and more we're in God's word, the more and more we'll know what our will is for our lives. The more and more we're in God's word, the more and more we'll know what God has for our lives. And so the more we dig deep in God's word, not just being satisfied coming here on Sunday morning, hearing a sermon, done and leave, but actually during the week, digging deep. And not just with you, maybe with other believers as well, and seeing what God has for you in your life. But also there's, there's some things that God doesn't really tell us, right? Like I remember when I was single, I just want God to tell me, who am I supposed to marry? Tell me what, what book, what chapter, what verse, because I want her name. Like I need to know, right? But there's some things that there's not in the Bible that we find a verse, a, a chapter that kind of shows us. And this is the, the amazing thing. That what helps us to pray in the will of God is God's word, but also the Holy Spirit. Now, check this out. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 27. It says this Paul says this, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us too deep for words. And he, ha- he who also searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Isn't that awesome? Like, and I, as I read this and I studied it, I was just imagining me praying and the Holy Spirit said, God, okay, listen, Steve's over there praying. He's trying to be all spiritual, like, you know, using big words and all this stuff. But here's what he really needs. Here's what's going on. Maybe sometimes when you pray, you're like, I don't even know what to say. But the beauty of it all is that the Holy Spirits already in communication with God and saying, "This is what your child needs." I love the the, verse, the words he used there. He says that the intercedes for us, too deep of words. The Holy Spirit knows us, and the more we spend time in God's Word, the more we will grow in our relationship with God. And the where the Holy Spirit, why right? we see Jesus said the Holy Spirit, He has a lot of roles in our life. We see that Jesus said that. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit, he reminds us of what we've learned in study of God's word. I love here in Romans 2 is that he prays in our behalf to God, translates for us. So if you hear this morning, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know what to... It's all good. The Holy Spirit's got it. But what we gotta do is spend time in God's word, dig deep in that relationship and the Holy Spirit prays in our behalf. But here's the thing. When God answers that prayer, It's not only just reading God's word and trusting the Holy Spirit, but also it's obeying the result of the prayer answered. It's living out God's will. And I was thinking about this a couple years ago. My mom uh, got cancer. Uh, She got cancer twice. And the second time she got cancer, the doctor's like, that's it. Like, there's nothing else. Like, you can do radiation. You can do all chemo. But it's so aggressive that we don't see any hope at all. And so, you know, and I got that phone call on my birthday, worst birthday ever, you know, hearing that and and just thinking about that. Uh, And then a few months later, we get another call from my brother that my 11-year-old nephew got cancer, bone cancer as well. And so here I am, hearing this news about my family, and I come before God, and I'm just like, God, just heal him, heal him, heal him. And and even in the midst of that prayer, I was like, hey, what am I praying? Like, who am I to tell God what to do? And so I said, God, listen, God. Just help me to trust you. And I remember my mom, when she called me and told me the news, she said, listen, don't focus on the problem. Focus on Jesus. Trust in Jesus because he alone is going to answer this. And she said this. There's two ways that God's going to answer this. I'm going to live and be healed here or be healed in heaven. And she said, that's the greatest thing about believers, right? <laughs> that there's, there's, she's like, is, we're going to be healed. I'm going to be healed no matter what. And so I pray and I say, God, this... Show me and my prayer changed to more of God. I want you to heal them tomorrow. God, just show us why we're going through this. And let your glory be shown through all this. And it's been great to see that even my parents had opportunities to lead friends to the Lord that also were sick. My mom, like, listen, she's cancer-free, praise the Lord, and my nephew is too. But my mom, when someone has cancer, she don't care who you are, she's going to pray for you. She's going to pray for you hard. And she doesn't pray so much for healing what she prays for is that you would trust the Lord and that you use this for his glory. Especially if they're unsaved, man, she's praying for their salvation. And my nephew, my living old nephew, actually started uh, an organization, a nonprofit, by selling coffee. And the proceeds go to kids who have cancer, basically buying gift cards for their parents so they can't eat. And I see all this in my prayer with all this. God, show me what, what I need to learn and show what our family needs to learn through this. And when all, we all got together for Christmas uh, when we all, you know, with we all the news the all of cancer free, and all that. And my mom said, The reason why we went through this is so we can trust in God more and less in ourselves. I was like, Man, mom, you can preach it, mom. Preach it. I don't know. I shouldn't say that in church. But, anyways, uh, <laughs> I don't want to get fired. But, anyways, but my but mom was just like, it, It's so true. It's like when we pray to God, it's not about what, getting what we want. It's saying, God, we want you to get the glory. Because who are we to take the glory away from God? We have done nothing great. And so as we pray to God, as we draw closer to God's God's word and draw deeper in our relationship with him and knowing that the Holy Spirit speaks in our behalf even while we're praying, that should encourage us and bring joy that however God answers it, that we with obedience walk it and live it for the glory of God, not ours. So we see what helps us to pray in God's will is God's word, the Holy Spirit, and living out God's will. And when we do that, When we start praying in God's desires and not ours, we will see that we have confidence in God. But here's the cool thing. We see in verse 15, it says this. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that he will have what we have asked of him. Here's the beauty thing. We need to share our request to God with confidence. Like God still wants us to share, come before him. He still wants us to, to go before him and have a request to him. But also with the mind knowing that God's going to answer just whatever he thinks is best. I'm going to come before him and I'm going to share this request. And I love Isaiah 62, 7. Because I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I, I, I love to talk a lot. I don't know if you, you'll get to know me. I, I love to talk a lot. And sometimes I, my wife's like, you stop talking. You might annoy them for talking to me. You know, like maybe you know that person that talks a lot. And you see them, it's like, oh, I'm going to go over here. right? maybe you see them at Target. Like, oh, I need, what do I need? I don't know, but I'm going to make it up. I need it over here. Right, because you see these people who talk and talk and talk. And you're like, I don't want to talk to them. I don't. And I might be, I'm one of those people, people are like, hi, when they see me because I just love to talk to anybody. But have you experienced that? That you know that person, like, oh, I don't want to talk to them right now because they're going to talk the same thing over and over again. But here's the thing, God is not annoyed by our prayers. Isn't that great? God never looks at the color ID and says, oh, man, you're going to pray the same thing again. The Browns are not going to win this bowl. It's all good. No. But anyways, but it's like, no, like, right? God's never liked that. Look, in, in, in Isaiah 62, uh, six, we see in Isaiah 62, 7, he says this, give him, Isaiah says, give him no rest. Think about that. Isaiah's talking to God's people, he says, don't give God rest. Talk to him. He's there for you. He's listening. He never sleeps. So go before him with confidence, knowing that God is not annoyed by your prayers, that he's he's up and alive and ready because he wants to hear his children come before him. Because when we pray to God, that's acknowledging that we trust in who he is and acknowledging that we cannot do this at all, whatever the situation, whatever the request is. That we got to come before confidence knowing that God is not annoyed by our prayers and that he does not want rest. In Psalm 62 eight, it says this, to pour your heart before the Lord. You see, God doesn't want these ritual prayers over and over again, the same thing, God, thank you for this day, thank you for this food. No, he's like, God, here's what's going on. Here's really what's going on. And he knows, right? If someone said, well, then if God knows our prayer, why should we pray? Because acknowledging that we trust God and who he is and that we can't, we can't do it. And so if you're struggling, whatever it may be, good or bad, you can say, God, God, here's what's going on in my life. Right? Maybe you have those friends that you call when bad things happen in your life. Like in my phone, I know I got a group of men in my life that I call when I need prayer. Like even praying here right now, they are praying for you guys and for me that God will be glorified through his message. But, who, you know, you have those relationships because you build those relationships. And as we build our relationship with God, we're going to trust him so much that he's going to be the first person we go to in prayer. Because he is listening and he doesn't want rest. He wants his children to talk to him. To pour their heart before him. In Hebrews 4.16 says this. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. I love that. Entering. His, the throne grace with boldness. The understand is that when we pray, we're actually going into the presence of God. That just blows my mind. Like we shouldn't be like, oh God, we're about to pray. Like we should be like, all right, here we go. We're about to go in the presence of God. He's going to listen to me. He's going to hear me. He's going to stop what he's doing. And just listen to me. Every Thanksgiving, we joke around with this, but every Thanksgiving when we're all around the table with my family, Right, turkey's there. I'm looking at my plate beautifully, mashed potatoes, everything there. My dad prays. And this is what my dad does. Before he we prays, we've got hands, we say what we think before, and it's all right, let's pray. And my dad does this. and about, like, five minutes, I'm, like, looking around, <laughs> looking at my food, so I'm hungry, and my dad's still just, like, and then he's prays. So the joke is, every time we do Thanksgiving, we're like, okay, who's going to pray? Because I can't, like, it's hard. But, but one day I asked my dad, I said, Dad, why do you take so long to pray? Like, what's going on? He's like, "He's like, I'm just getting my thoughts together, my words, before I go to the presence of God. And I go, that's what you get when your dad's a pastor, <laughs> you know. But it's so true that sometimes we're so quick going to the presence of God that we don't even think who we're talking to. That we don't think who's hearing us. That we don't even think who's about to answer our prayers, what's best for us. And so I tried to do that as well, and I prayed just to have, just to breathe a little bit, to be excited, but also to know I'm going in the presence of Almighty God who's going to answer this prayer. So we see that we can going to share our requests to God with vulnerable. But isn't that just it's crazy enough to know that God the universe hears our prayer like God hears me like me this little old me like the sinner like the guy who doesn't who's not smart enough than anybody else or the guy I, I don't know much but to know that God said I want to listen to you and I'm going to answer your prayer like that's just amazing like when's the last time that you prayed that you said I just talked to God like when's the last time you went to Target you know what I talked to God this morning people don't think you're crazy but you can say hey I talked to God like that's the excitement we should have but I, I, I just feel, and this is for me as well, that the excitement is gone when we pray. Because we just do it like a natural thing. We pray before we eat. We pray before the sermon. We pray before a song. We, we pray before whatever it is. It's just part of life. But without understanding that we are entering the presence of God, that God is going to listen to us, man, that should excite us. But also to understand that when we pray in God's will, our prayers are going to be answered our prayers are going to be answered the best way. And that's why we should have this confidence when we go before God, sharing this request, knowing that God's going to answer this. And it may not be what we think, but it's the best thing for our lives. So I want to end with this truth. Prayer, prayer is, well, prayer is spiritually real and a joy discipline by which we bring our needs to a real God who loves us And has real answers for us. So prayer is a real and joyful discipline for the Christian by which we bring our needs to a real God who loves us and has real answers for us. Isn't that exciting? And so the truth, what I want to end with this this truth, with anything that we read, kind of sum it up is this, that as a child of God, we can have rest As a child of God, we can have rest in the truth that we belong to a God who hears and answers prayer. The way we get that confidence is by having assurance of our salvation. And with that assurance that we know that we're saved and our lives have been changed by the gospel and Jesus who is eternal life. then that's going to go into our confidence knowing that God hears and answers our prayers for his glory and not ours.